Welcome. You are listening to a sermon preached at Church at the Armory. If you like what you hear, share it. God bless you. All righty. If you have your Bibles, you can thumb over to Matthew chapter 25, and uh, I'm going to get you set up to talk about, um, well... I want to talk about this idea this morning that God has prepared something for you. God created something, prepared something for you. And uh, that's really what I want to talk about. But I'm going to end up talking about the lost. Everybody look at me say the lost. I'm going to talk about uh, heaven and hell for a second. It's not like you think. Um, But I want to talk about what God has prepared for you. Um, Before I talk about that, though, I want to talk about my friend Fred. Fred is this little fish up here in this fish bowl. He's a beta fish. Uh, Fred, uh, well, he, he sits next to me, and he helps me to prepare my sermon this week. And he's a better amener than most of y'all in this room, at least on par. (laughs) <laughs> that's funny. Okay, because he says it's about as much as some of you when I'm preaching. Anyway, so, uh, that's a joke. That's a kind of a joke. I mean, it's true, but it's, it's a joke. So, uh, so, so, Fred, you know, how many of you have ever been swimming? Okay, thank you, Eli. And the problem with swimming is, oh, man, calm down, Fred. The problem with swimming is that, is that uh, oh, Jesus, hallelujah. The problem with swimming is it's hard to hear underwater. So I'm going to put Fred out here where he can hear better. There you go. There you go, Fred. Now, if you have your Bibles, you're turning to Matthew chapter 25. We're going to begin to read the scriptures. The Bible says, when the Son of Man came, comes in all his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another. Just as a shepherd separates the sheep and the goats, he will put sheep on his right and he'll put goats on his left. <laughs> is there something I can help you with? Fred is, don't drop him on. Oh, okay. Yay! I told you this sermon was about the lost. How is it we can sit so silently and neatly do everything we're supposed to do in a church service while watching somebody suffer and die? And everybody but one person will do something, nothing about it. Here's a towel, wipe your hands off. Is it possible we're way too churched? Is it possible to not break the order of the service? Well, let a fish... A person die. Getting quiet up in here. I told y'all Fred was louder. (laughs) Now everybody's laughing. You all right, dude? In the name of Jesus, be healed. All right, so. Y'all won't even laugh at that joke, okay? Okay, it's going to be a long day. How many of y'all felt like, I can't believe he's doing that. This is not, this is weird. Like, that's not right. Don't be doing that. That's not right. Like, something's wrong. I mean, I felt like something was wrong the entire time. How come we don't feel that way with lost people? 
How come we're more bothered by a $3 fish out of its intended environment than we are to pass people every day who are dying and going to hell and be unmoved? I want to take it a step further than that. This fish, when she tried to pick it up, it, what did it try to do? It was flopping, trying to get away from you. Resisting the hand that was coming to bring it help. We live in a world, see Fred, I, mean, I didn't tell you how much about Fred. <laughs> I named him Fred. The truth is I'm not real sure what he identifies genderly. Y'all going, I don't know. I mean, I look at him. I can't tell if he's a man or a woman. Okay, I can't tell if he's male or female. I don't know what Fred is. It's going to be a long day, isn't it? I can't tell. How many of y'all live in that world in 2023? I can't tell if he's a man. can't tell if he's a woman. I don't know what his sexual preferences are. I don't know anything about this fish. Pretty sure, though, he... Uh, adheres to the other side of the political spectrum than I am. It's quiet in here this morning. Pretty sure he doesn't think like I think. Matter of fact, they say that uh, the shortest memory of any uh, creature is a goldfish, right? Pretty sure he doesn't get half of what I get, doesn't understand the way of life as I understand the way of life. And the thing about it is, is when I remove Fred from the environment he was intended and created to live in, then he rejects that environment and he flops and he acts up. And when we see lost people, we don't see them as people who were never created to live in this world. They were always created to live in the bosom of the Father. And they are rejecting this environment. And they're lashing out and they're flopping. And when the hand comes to rescue them, they'll bite the hand that goes to rescue them. And we get mad at the fish. We get mad at the lost. We curse the lost and we say how bad they are and what this is what they do and this is how they act. And don't they know they're not supposed Right? And we don't understand that they're suffocating living in a world that was never created for them. This is not the place God had prepared for them. This is a fallen world. So this sermon really to start off is to correct the church's view of how we see the lost. If we're more concerned, hear me now, if we're more concerned about a group of people that's ruining our way of life in this country called America than we are about people dying and going to hell, we have misplaced our priorities. Every lost person we encounter, we should have a, a 10,000 times more adverse reaction to their lostness than to a $5 goldfish laying on the ground, beta fish, laying on the table suffocating and dying. If you're more bothered by that than a lost person, something is wrong. I'm not trying to like... You know, how many of y'all wanted to get out of your seat and run up here and grab the fish and put it back in the bowl? Everybody wanted to do that. Where is that desire when we see the loss? To do something about it. That makes sense? So my point number one, it's like Daniel was talking about last week when he was encouraging us and exhorting us in the worship part. 
What we're in now is not what God created. What we're living in now is not what God created. Just like a fish out of water, that's the lost. And yeah, they kick and they scream and they fight against the hand. But are we seeing their actions or are we seeing the response to an environment they were never created to live in? Praise God. The heavy part is over. That's not true. We got more to go. Matthew chapter 25. I was serious about this. Let's go back and just start over because I'm pretty sure nobody heard what I read a while ago. (laughs) Raise your hand if you knew what I said. Exactly. When the Son of Man comes in all his glory, and the angels are coming with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. This is the second coming. And all the nations, all mankind will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from, one from another, just as a shepherd separates the sheep. If you only think about, look at me, look at me. If, if when you think about Jesus being the good shepherd and the only story you think about is leaving the 99 to go get the one, you don't understand fully the revelation of the good shepherd. The good shepherd will separate, will separate sheep and goats one day. That's part of his job as the good shepherd. He is the king, righteous judge, shepherd who separates. Does that make sense? That's part of his shepherding. Anyway, the son of man comes, our brother, we're on verse 33. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Okay? Everybody say right and left. How many of you are thinking about leaving because you're mad because I put the goat? <laughs> I just chunked out. Everybody need to calm down for a second. He's okay. Look, he is swimming very happily. Good job, Fred or Frida, whatever your name is. Okay? Verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right. I need you to hear what I'm saying. The king will say to those on his right. Come, you who are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom. Everybody say this word. Prepared. Prepared for you from the foundation of the world. So he's looking at those, the righteous, those who accepted Jesus as their king. And he says, he says, come. And matter of fact, he said uh, at the end of the Gospels, in, in the first part of Acts, I must go to prepare a place for you, right? Because he's been, that's what he's doing now. He's preparing a place. And he's saying, there, you have access to a kingdom. You're blessed. Everybody say blessed. These are, the, these are the, the points of those on the right. The righteous. They're blessed by God. Number two, they are inheriting a kingdom. The gospel is not a gospel of salvation. It's a gospel of the kingdom. Salvation is entrance into the kingdom. Jesus' first words out of his mouth were, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He didn't come to bring salvation. He came to bring the kingdom, but salvation is interest into the kingdom. That makes sense? So many Christians want to get saved and want nothing to do with the kingdom. Really, they don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to go to quote-unquote hell. They don't really want Jesus. The king and his kingdom is what he brought. And that's what we get for eternity. For the rest of eternity, we get the king and his kingdom. And it's a uh, in, 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 in his inherited kingdom prepared for you before the worlds were formed, this kingdom was created. And that's what we get. 
It's just like Jesus. The kingdom is just like Jesus. It is, he, it is what was, it is what is, and it is what is to come. That's the kingdom of God. It was before the foundation of the world. It is right now, and it is coming, the kingdom of God. Then a king and his kingdom. So those on the right, you get the kingdom. You get the king. I'm going to just, just scroll through this real fast. For I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you invited me in. Naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was a stranger, you invited me in. Uh, 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 sorry. Uh, yeah, naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison, you came to me. I was out of my fishbowl, and you came and put me back in it. Then the righteous will answer, Lord, when do we see you hungry and feed you and thirsty and give you something to drink? And when do we see you as a stranger and bite you in and naked and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison or come to you? The king will answer, notice, listen to me, notice what, what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is explicitly identifying this second coming person as a king. The person we're looking to come again is absolutely the king in all his glory. It is important that we understand we're looking for a coming king. And just like we sang about this morning, full of power, full of authority, full of glory. The, who is this man? The king of glory, right? The king of glory. All right. So the king will answer and say to them, uh, I'm sorry, I read that part. Um, now go down to verse 41, or excuse me, verse 40. The king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, the extent that you did it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters, you did it for me. This is a little fish. This was, look at me. This is the utter definition of the least. Yet we often think less of a, I just really want to say it out loud. We often think less of every label of every person who acts out wrong in the world than we think of a fish, a $5 fish. You would never admit to it, but in our actions, we get more bothered by the fish than we do the person who's, who's approaching eternal damnation. Praise the Lord. Verse 42, or verse 41. Go back to verse 41. Then he's going to turn away from his right, and he's going to look to his left, and he's going to say to those on his left, Depart from me, you accursed people. Everybody say cursed. The first on his right, the group on his right is blessed. The group on his left are cursed. Y'all understand this, right? If this guy, Fred, never, if, if someone doesn't do the gospel and put him back in right relationship, in his proper environment, this guy dies cursed. Depart from me, a cursed people. Everybody say eternal fire. Let's say eternal fire, which has been prepared just like heaven was prepared. The lake of fire is prepared, but see, heaven was prepared for God's creation, the people. I'm going to say the word hell was prepared, the lake of fire prepared for whom? The devil and his angels. Fred, the fish that you walk by every day that's flopping and acting out and rejecting this environment that he's living in, and you are so disgusted with who he is and how he acts and what he does, hell was never made for him. 
And he has just as much right. And let me say, God just as much prepared heaven for him as much as he did for you. We need Fred to hear the gospel and have his heart changed. Y'all out there? Depart from me, accursed ones. They're cursed. They're not blessed. Everybody say eternal. The kingdom is eternal. The lake of fire is eternal. And it w- both have been prepared. One was prepared for the people of God. One was prepared for Satan and his angels. And we'll discover in the book of Revelation, the false prophet, the beast, right? Satan, uh, uh, hell, the lake of fire was prepared for the fallen, not the living. Now, let's go on. I'm not going to read this part. It's the same, same estimate. Um, verse 45, Truly I say to you, the extent that you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me either. Hebrews 11.16 says this. Read it with me. Hebrews 11.16 says this. Hebrews 11.16 says, As it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Everybody say Heaven. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared, if I say prepared, a city for them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, I need you to hear me out before you uh, jump off any cliff right now. Heaven and hell are both at the same time very allegorical and very literal. What we would, do I believe in a literal hell? Yes and no. Do I believe in a literal heaven? Yes and no. What we say when we say hell, when we say when we say heaven, oftentimes we're not saying the literal part. We're saying the the, the opposing sides of the same uh, of, of a coin. It is heaven. It is hell. Let me explain this more. If I say to you right now, uh, a perfect example, our good friend, our buddy, our brother in Christ. Yesterday, we said our final goodbyes, Frank Galbraith. Where is Frank right now? So most of us were going to say heaven, right? Right. If you knew him, you know he went to heaven. He was in. He will be in the group on the right. But see, the concept of heaven is: is he per? Uh, the scripture says now. The scripture says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But is he fully embodied in the eternal uh, uh, place of, quote-unquote, heaven? No. We believe in a final or second resurrection from the dead where our bodies will be resurrected. Are y'all out there? Y'all know theology, right? Where our bodies will be resurrected and they will be uh, uh, reunited with Christ, glorified, all your aches and pains and all your whatever, you be complete. You will have a glorified body, and when that body meets your spirit and you go into eternity, that is ultimately, eternally, what we would call heaven. I'm not saying at this moment, because I believe it with all my heart at this moment, because the scripture says that he is with the Lord, his spirit. But there is this 
And so, and so in the same way, that's why Jesus said to that's why Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be, you will be with me in where? Paradise. Paradise. Paradise and heaven, what we call heaven, aren't necessarily the same thing. Okay? Uh, uh, Abraham's bosom. They're not necessarily the same thing. They're these stages of going into eternity. That makes sense? Same thing is true with hell. Look at me. Same thing is true with hell. You have Sheol. Let's say Sheol. You have Gehenna. You have, uh, uh, you have the lake of fire. The lake of fire is a very literal, eternal, final destination where Satan and all his angels will end up. And those in this judgment who have rejected God will go there too, but it was never prepared for them. But what you have right now is people in, in this holding. It's Sheol or uh, uh, what's the other word? Hades. It literally means disembodied. It means disembodied. And it's, this, it's, it's, this, it's this holding place. Okay, awaiting final judgment. Now listen to me, look at me, look at me, look at me. In the same way to be absent from the body, in the good way, to be absent from the body, to be present with the Lord, on the, on the opposite side of it, to be absent from the body is to be separated from the Lord. But look at me, what does the psalmist say? Where can I go to escape your presence? Even if I make my bed in, so Sheol, look at me, Sheol and the lake of fire where you'll be eternally separated from God are two different things. Yeah, but look at me like, what is he talking about this morning? There is a final judgment, and at that final judgment, he'll separate sheep and goats. And Look at me, look at me. Let's define heaven and hell for a second. If I say, what is heaven? So let's just do this, okay? It doesn't matter. Raise your hand and, and, and just tell me, what is heaven? Somebody raise your hand. Eli, what is heaven? What did he say? I didn't hear. You made me hear. It's a place where you die and go with God. Best answer so far. Amen. Who's next? Yeah, what's heaven? Okay, good. You you, you gotta you gotta let other people do the wrong answer go first. Okay, what is, what's heaven? See, if I pull out a hymnal, if I pull out a hymnal, the hymnal. And I'm not trying to be a jerk, but the hymnal's saying it's like it's not like it's streets of gold and mansions over the hilltop. That's the primary description of heaven. Look at me. Our very first definition of heaven means to be wherever Jesus is. Heaven eternally, is never separated from the presence of God. That makes sense? That makes sense? If that's the definition of heaven, that, I mean, look, Paul said, we, we know in part, we will know fully, right? Uh, every mystery will be revealed. Like, we'll, we'll be known as we are known. There's coming this moment in time, in eternity, heaven, I'm talking about Everything that falls under the guise of the good, the righteous, those on the right, that we will be fully known by God. There will be no more mystery. We'll, we'll, we'll understand everything, right? We'll have total access to God in his presence 24-7. He is the light, the Bible says, of the city. There, there, there is no need for a son because his glory is the light that lights the city day and night. That's heaven. It's Jesus. Heaven is Jesus. This is why we don't want to get people to say yes to heaven. We want to get people to say yes to Jesus. 
It's also why we don't want to get people to say no to hell. If I said to you, let's take a poll, who wants to burn in a lake of fire for all eternity? Raise your hand. Nobody would raise their hand. That's essentially what we we deduce the modern gospel to is raise your hand if you don't want to burn in a lake of fire for the rest of eternity. And everybody raises their hand and we say, there, you're saved. You're not saved. You have not said yes to Jesus. Amen? Because what is heaven? Jesus. What is hell? Hell, or especially the lake of fire, eternal, I say eternal lake of fire, The eternal lake of fire, listen to me, is a place where you can never, ever, 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 ever encounter God again. For all of eternity, you'll be separated from his presence. If heaven is, I can never be separated from his presence, hell is, I am eternally separated from his presence. And, and, I believe that person who goes to the lake of fire will have full understanding and knowledge. This lake wasn't created for me. And now I can never get, I can never embrace the presence of God again. You want to talk about what's sad? You want to talk about what should enrage our hearts? You want to talk about why Jesus talked a lot about hell? It was the thought that people would go to a place that was never prepared for them. And for the rest of eternity, they will live with a knowledge that they can never, imp- they can never again be in his presence. And this is forever. And I don't belong here. I wasn't created to be here. The city of God, one of the aspects of heaven, New Jerusalem, New Earth, New heavens, new earth, like all these things that fall under the umbrella of what we say when we say heaven, that's prepared for us. But what makes it heaven, what makes the city is the lamb. Right? What makes heaven heaven is Jesus is there. And and, and I'm telling you, what we're getting glimpses of, what we're getting momentary uh, rips in the, in the fold of little experiences of glory, that's what we live in 24-7, 365, if there even is such a calendar thing in heaven. For all of eternity, we are with Jesus. That's what makes heaven, heaven. Uh, I don't think you're going to care one flipping bit about any gold bricks yeah. or any mansions or any of that stuff. You're not going to care. Jesus is here. Whoa. After 37 years of having my face planted on the ground, I look up and I look up. Frank's here too. I'm going to run over there and get on my face next to Frank and let's continue to what we're doing right now, worshiping the throne, right? Holy, holy, right? That's heaven. That's what makes heaven heaven. Forget clouds. Forget your wings. I'm not trying to be rude. Forget all that stuff. You're not going to play golf with God in heaven. You're going to be overwhelmed by the glory of God. Amen? All right? And so, and so, uh, and then God doesn't play golf because golf makes you cuss. Anyway, so, going on. Let's go on. Revelation 20, verse 10. Revelation 20, verse 10. Look at this. The devil who deceived them was thrown into where? Don't just read that and say, like a, don't just read that and say hell. Okay? It's hell here. Hell is a broad concept. He's a specific lake of fire 
that was created for him and his fallen angels. That makes sense? So, the devil, was de- the devil who deceived them was thrown into a lake of fire and brimstone, where beast, the beast and the false prophet are also. So what we see now is Satan, his fallen angels, this, this end-time beast, this, uh, this false prophet, that's what hell was prepared for. Can I say something without trying to be like too gotcha? This is why one of the very worst concepts you can have, whether you ever say it out loud or not, is the idea that I hope you go to hell. And many of us look at the lost who are lashing out in an environment they were never created, and we have those, we, we wrestle with those feelings sometimes. Am I the only one who's ever going to, you see on the news, right? You watch too much news and you see people who were cursing. I, I literally watched a video where this woman went up to a street preacher who was minding his own business and started just tearing down his stuff and cursing him to his face and all this kind of stuff. And there's some part of you who rises up and you see that and you go, oh, she deserves everything. Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. You know what that lady is? You know what that lady is? As wild and crazy and demonic as she is at this moment, she is acting just like a fish out of water. When will I view her as a, as a fish out of water rather than somebody who is my enemy who needs to be rejected at all costs? And I hope she gets everything she... You see what I'm saying? You see what I'm saying? The judge will make those calls... My heart should be, I should look at that woman and go, I hope, what can I do to get her back into here more than what can I do to make sure she pays for what she's done? Are y'all okay this morning? The devil who deceived them was thrown to the lake of fire, and so many people want to curse sinners to hell. I wish they would just go to hell, and they're wishing humans that God created to a place that was never created for humans that God created. Isn't that, isn't that just as bowed as backwards to the heart of the Father that you can get? So the devil who deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire, brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Forever and ever. The lake of fire is forever and ever. Go on, verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, whose presence the earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. Uh, Listen to me. We got to return to an image not only of heaven and hell, but of God who's so powerful even the earth would shrink back from his presence. That makes sense? I mean, that's the power. When we're singing this morning, we're not just singing about... uh, Listen to me. I, I say this with all with all uh, care that I can muster. I'm not just thinking about the power of God that can make me go from feeling bad to feeling good. I'm talking about the, fi- the power of God that can change the course of history in one death, in one resurrection. I'm talking about the power of God who is so fierce and powerful that the Bible says that at the, at the presence of him, the earth and heaven will fly away. Amen? That's the king we're singing about. That's the God we're singing about. Okay, verse 12 says this. I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. 
books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in these books according to their deeds. Nobody wants to preach that anymore either. Verse 13. The sea gave up the dead. Listen to me. Listen to the scripture. Not only is quote unquote the lake of fire prepared for Satan and his fallen angels and the beast and the false prophet, but also in the, in the sea, day of the dead, and in it, death and Hades. Everybody say Hades. See, this is our problem. We take hell and Hades and we lump them into the same thing. That's just hell. Right? We take the lake of fire and Hades and we just say, oh, all, all that's just hell. But look at what I'm saying right here. Death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, the dead, everyone according to their... Okay, verse 14. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. They can't be the same thing. They're not just hell. Death and Hades which are going to experience eternal damnation in the lake of fire the same way that Satan will, the same way that his fallen angels will, the same way that the beast will, the same way that the false prophet will. And death and hate will be there. And God, before the foundation of the world, prepared this lake of fire to take all his enemies when he comes back in righteousness and power and glory and he sends all his enemies to an eternal separated place from himself. And he created this other place where he said all of his people, all of his children, all of his creation that, that, that choose him, they, they get to go to be never separated from him. This guy wasn't, hell was not prepared for this guy. Not the literal fish, the illustration. Hell wasn't prepared for you. Nobody in this room has a problem believing that hell wasn't prepared for them. But hell wasn't prepared for the nastiest, most vile person you meet on the street. The one who's so abhorrent and ob objectly opposite of everything you believed. Hell was not prepared for them either. Now death and Hades and Satan, his angels... Right? Sickness and disease. The Antichrist, the fallen. Uh, hell was prepared for them. Hell, yeah. The beast, he deserves to go to hell. It's a, it's a good intercession to pray that the false prophet would go to hell. Y'all okay? <laughs> right? Y'all can pray all you want to. It, hell was prepared for them. Death and hate were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. This is not the first death. This is the second death. The first death is this time where you're disembodied, but you're awaiting final judgment. The second death is eternal. He was thrown into the lake of fire. Verse 16. If, this, is the, this just should be the saddest verse in their Bible right now doesn't say it was prepared for them. But what it does say is anyone's name was not found written in the book of life. He was thrown into the lake of fire that was, wasn't prepared for them. See, the Bible is extremely descriptive about what the lake of, who the lake of fire was prepared for. Does that make sense? 
it gives us details. It names names of who it was prepared for. Do you believe in free will? Let's just raise our hands. Maybe there's some Calvinists in here. Raise your hand if you believe in the free will, that God gives you free will to choose. We are creating this image of God who's so quote-unquote loving that he will violate your free will even if you choose not to choose him. That's not found in the scripture. If I believe that he's given me a choice, choose you this day who you will follow. I believe he's giving me the choice. I believe that God will not violate any person's will to choose to have their name out of the book of life. If I don't believe that, I have to reevaluate what I believe about free will. I basically have to call myself on some level a Calvinist. Make sense? Here's the saddest fact you will hear today, and probably for a while, because a lot of guys aren't preaching on this anymore. The saddest fact is that there are people, maybe even in this room, but certainly in this city, and they will spend eternity in the lake of fire with the full revelation that it was not prepared for them, and there's nothing they can ever do to be in his presence again. And that's worse than any fire or any worm It's the knowledge. In the same way there's great knowledge when we go to heaven, I believe fully there's knowledge for those who reject God. They will know exactly what they've rejected and when they did it and what they've done to do it. And they will live eternally with the knowledge that they have rejected God. And it will play like a movie in their head over and over again every time God sent somebody with the gospel across their path. And they will live in eternity. With the knowledge they've rejected God and there's nothing they can ever do to be back in his presence. And they were never, ever, ever supposed to be there. Imagine getting trapped in a place you were never supposed to be and you can't get out of it. That's hell. And we all in this room, we have friends, we have loved ones, we have co-workers, family, that we know, or at least we're not sure of what eternity holds for them, or, or better yet, the choice they are currently making. And yet, we've so programmed into religion that a fish out of water stirs our heart more than being around that person. And matter of fact, we've even moved from not being bothered to being angry at people who act like they're a fish out of water and reject the very hand that come to help. When's the last time you prayed by name for somebody you knew was lost? When's the last time you got out of your comfort zone and said, can I pray for you? Can I talk to you? 
do you want to come to church with me? I ain't trying to build a church. I'm trying to populate heaven. When's the last time you were unbothered by someone and their crazy antics and your heart posture was more aligned with God? See, when I think that, I've been studying the Sermon on the Mount very heavily for a long time. I think that when God says, blessed are those who mourn, he is not talking about physical death. He is so he is so more powerful than physical death. It's not even funny. My story of Lazarus, right? Right? Y'all remember what I'm talking about? I don't think God's bothered by physical death. I don't think that God is saying, for those of us who are mourning Frank right now, and we are literally mourning, but I don't think that verse is for us right now. We're mourning, but that's not the point. The point is, is whenever we can't feel what's on God's heart for creation. Bible says creation groans. Right? They're just groaning. And it's not necessarily a a, a cheer. It's a groan. And the Bible says that whenever you, uh, when blessed are you when you mourn, for you shall be comforted. There's the idea that the only comfort you will ever get in the sense of eternal things is whenever I can align God's heart and my heart together. In other words, let me say that backwards. I can put my heart and make it feel what God's heart feels. And most of the time when we're partying, God's mourning. And most of the time when when we're mourning, God's partying. I say that very I say that very literal at this very moment. There is this thing inside of me that's gonna miss Frank, but I think heaven is throwing a party for Frank right now. Yeah. And so I'm saying to us, I'm saying to us, when's the last time we allowed ourselves to feel uncomfortable the way we felt uncomfortable at a flopping fish on a table for lost people? When's the last time we let our hearts go there? When's the last time we saw the flopping Fish, the rejection. I mean, people kicking and screaming and cursing and, right? And we see them as evil and and we don't see them as suffocating. I think I can speak for almost all of us in this room when I say, God, forgive us. I'm going to do something very old school. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to bow your head. Very simply, if you're here this morning and you're concerned that you would spend eternity separated from God, I'm not talking about fire. I'm not talking about worms. I'm talking about the idea that you are concerned that you would spend eternity separated from God and you feel like you're living in a world you were never created to live in. Just like my brother testified at his baptism a few weeks ago that there is this void inside of your life that only God can fill. And if you know you feel empty inside, you know you feel, you feel like there's something missing in your life, and you feel like a fish out of water, and you're concerned that you would spend eternity without God, if you're here and you want that to change, just come stand right next to me. We're gonna, I want to pray for you. Anybody at all? Come with there, Sarah Lynn. Anybody else? Just stand right there, sis. These bags right there. Put your hand right on their shoulder. Anybody else? Come on.
Everybody stretch your hands this way. What's your name? Huh? Amelia. Amelia? Beautiful name, Amelia. Amelia, we just pray right now that your heart would be so settled that you would know that you know that you know that Jesus is your Lord and Jesus is your Savior. We pray right now in Jesus' name that he would reveal himself to you in a powerful, powerful, powerful way. I just want you to repeat something very simple. Just repeat it to me. Say, Jesus, I'm yours, and you are mine forever. In Jesus' name, amen. So, familiar, we bless you today. We bless you to know that you are a daughter of the living God. And that this day that you made it, I said you made a choice because the choice was yours to follow him. And so we bless your journey. In Jesus' name, everybody said. Amen. Let's give her a hand. Second part is this. I want you to leave happy for Amelia. I also want you to leave desiring that you'd meet an Amelia every day. Because you'd never get used to the feeling you feel right now. Maybe you're being so bold to pack up your family and move all the way to the other side of the earth because you're tired of seeing fish out of water. My prayer this morning, God, is that we would mourn with you. May we so have the heart of heaven. May we so have the heart of the king. Fix our eyes, God, that we see people the way you see people. That we don't meet enemies. That we meet people. Souls created to be with you in eternity. Fix our eyes. And forgive us. If you need to pray a prayer of forgiveness right now, I'm encouraging God, forgive me for the way I viewed people. If you need to pray that prayer, I want you to pray right now. Just close your eyes and pray right now. Forgive me, God. And place inside of our spirits a burning desire to see people come to know Jesus, to come into the kingdom to come into the family, to be part of the great nation, the people of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody say it. Hey, I love you. I'll see you Wednesday night. You have a great day.